It's Wednesday, February 1st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Happy February. Thank you. We've got some earnings to get to, and tomorrow is Groundhog Day. And if you're a longtime listener, you know that that means there's, uh, I'm going to say, a 100% chance that we're going to talk about Groundhog today. <laughs> but we'll do that later in the show after we get to the earnings. We've got electronic arts, we've got a line technology, but we've got to start with the. Uh, the behemoth that just keeps getting bigger, and that's Apple. What a first quarter they put up. A record 78.3 million iPhones that were sold. They had record revenue in their services division, in their Mac division, in their Apple Watch division. And not surprisingly, the stock up, it was up 6% at one point this morning, hitting a new high. Was there anything bad in this quarter? Because it really doesn't seem like it. Uh, no, I think you've told most of the story, although it is somewhat surprising that it is up as much as it is because the guidance that it gave for next quarter was somewhat um, muted uh, in, in compared to expectations prior to today's release. So, um, I, I think people, and this is not the typical behavior, are uh, looking at what's in the bank and, and getting really impressed by that and looking at what is uh, promised to come and and weighing that a little bit less. So I think that's the only thing. There's nothing in the in the quarter just passed that uh, you can take issue with. If yeah, you're an Apple uh, shareholder. Cash in the on the balance sheet is now, I believe, all two hundred forty six billion dollars. That is all the cash there is. On on Twitter this morning, people were tweeting um, names of countries where the gross domestic product was smaller than the amount of cash that Apple has on the balance sheet. And it was not a small list. It's a big list. So, I have two questions, and one is about the cash, and one is about the iPhone. In terms of the cash, I mean, what more can they do with it other than just return it to shareholders? Because the I mean, we were talking about this when they had $100 billion on the balance sheet. Now, they have nearly $250 billion. And other than, well, we're going to buy back more stock, well, we're going to do a one-time special dividend, or we're going to increase our dividend, this is not an acquisitive company. Well, I don't know. Apparently, the people that you follow on Twitter are <laughs> suggesting they go and buy countries with it, as if you could buy countries. Well, what are your, what's your, what are you going for? What's your GDP? Can we buy you for that much? Estonia. And- Let's have a conversation. <laughs> That's not the way countries get bought and sold. Right. You've got to look at recent elections to see how countries get bought and sold. <laughs> is that is that is that yeah, pretty much? Yeah. Right. Uh, well, <laughs> let's let's move on. We'll save that for other podcasts. <laughs> Um, but seriously, like I, I, I look at I look at the cash. I know that they're planning on making this push into original programming. They're not going to spend. They're not going to spend ten billion dollars on original programming, or at least not anytime soon. So, what do they do with this money? Well, you can, you you can spend a lot of money on original programming if you. Spend poorly. What you can do is you can give it back to shareholders either through increased dividends, which one should expect, uh, and or uh, acquisition of shares, buybacks of shares, and you should expect that too. Uh, even so, the cash is growing. They've been doing that. They've been giving money back to shareholders. They just make uh, too much to give back at the rates that they have been 
giving back, or you can you can make acquisitions or invest in your own business. Now, if you're talking about buying original programming, you can create that yourself and make the investment there, or you could, as some speculate, why not? Why don't they just go ahead and buy Netflix? That's a thing they could do. I don't know. You know that Netflix has got any interest in that. I don't know that Apple's got any interest in it. It's one of those ideas that people just throw out uh, as logical in their opinion. But I don't think that's what's going to happen here. I think if you are an Apple shareholder, the thing you know for for all the headlines that the iPhone sales are getting, and rightfully so, I think the thing you have to be even happier about is the growth that. Are in the non-iPhone divisions because two, about two thirds of the revenue comes from the iPhone division. But seeing that growth in services in Apple Watch, in Mac, that's I think that's going to give you uh, even slightly more optimism than you would have had otherwise. I'm wondering though, in terms of the iPhone, do you think that they benefited at all from the debacle that we saw last year with Samsung and the exploding Galaxy phone? Yeah. Certainly, uh, definitely, and I, I think that has shown up in the quarter. It's shown up in the uh, average selling price of the, of the phones, which increased. And uh, you know, remarkably, this is a technology that's now ten years old, and they sell it for more uh, every year. And so that's a remarkable thing for technologies which tend to get cheaper over time. And I think that. Uh, that speaks to the power of the brand here. It's still of concern uh, as to whether the phone will continue to be branded enough for them to maintain their very high selling price because it's a technology that tends, if it's like other technologies, almost any technology other than the iPhone itself, uh, to go away. And, and you see that in what happens to Fitbit, what happens to GoPro. They've got a fancy gadget. Somebody else comes along and makes one that doesn't have the same name, but is just as good. And I think there are plenty of people that'll make the argument that there are other phones that are just as good or better than the iPhone, but they don't have the same loyalty. Uh, and of course, people uh, upgrade their phones year after year in a way that they don't with Fitbits and um, cameras. So it's in a better space for that. Still highly competitive. It's remarkable what they've done. Uh, but they need to have things beyond the phone, and they're pointing to services right now as something that they want people to pay attention to and something that they see the expanded growth coming uh, over the next year. Uh, and to, and it is the company's hope that people won't just think of them as uh, a phone company because they're not going to have their main competitor um, lighting their own product on fire <laughs> every quarter. Like uh, Samsung. I mean, that, that was... You know, you you couldn't have dreamed of a gift that was that, manna that from kind. heaven. Yeah, that was a gift that Samsung gave to Apple and gave to Google with the Pixel phone. Yeah, that worked out really and well. So it it's not that much of a surprise that it had particularly good phone numbers. Uh, and as you say, they they went beyond phones. They're they're doing things well, but uh, it's always what what's coming up next. And if that's going to be original programming, then that is uh, a place where you can make or lose a lot of money. Let's move on to Electronic Arts. Third quarter revenue came in higher than expected thanks to strong sales of Battlefield 1. The stock basically flat, um, although it's, 
I'm wondering if Electronic Arts is, I mean, this is a $25 billion company, and I'm wondering how expensive the stock looks, because it's certainly had a, a particularly good five-year run. Uh, and, well, I'm just wondering what you think of it when you look at Electronic Arts. Well, going back to what I said about Apple, it's it's a good quarter, but they're tempering their guidance for next quarter. That is, they, they did raise total uh, guidance for the fiscal year, which still has one more quarter in it, and um, but not by as much as they beat uh, expectations this quarter. So the implication is that next quarter is going to be lighter than than was expected. So you take what's in the bank, and then you look at what is expected to be in the bank over the next quarter, and that's a bigger pile of money than we thought before today. But the the part that is has already been booked um, is is one part, and the future they're pushing out one of their games that was expected previously to come out in this coming quarter and they're pushing that out NBA live I think and so that's delayed until later on in the year and that's going to affect revenues and, and earnings so you know that's part of why this is call it a, a mixed bag a good quarter on the surface certainly and um, it's but you know the future is always part of the earnings announcements and it's flat stock for today. We talk about retailers that look to grow their e-commerce segment. You look at Electronic Arts, they're growing their digital sales. I mean, that's sort of their version of it. And digital sales for the quarter represented about 60% of the money coming in. So, that's, I mean, you got to be happy about that because that's just, um, that's just a better revenue model. It is, and uh, you know they've been getting better and better at that, and that is going to be ultimately, you know, where where all of the uh, business is. I'm sure over time, um, you know, I I think maybe the most amazing stat from the uh, quarterly report is that the uh, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes mobile game, as we talk about mobile games, uh, has an average game time um, per player. Of 155 minutes a day, which, <laughs> good lord, to to help out on the math, <laughs> there that's two and a half hours a day per player. I'm glad my kids have not discovered this game. Look, I think word that I haven't, you know, because it 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 sounds pretty addictive. What's the word they use? Uh, sticky. It's a sticky game. <laughs> um, you know, you come home from a long day of school and you, you crank out your homework and you're looking to relax a little bit. Sure, who doesn't enjoy two and a half hours of, of a single game? Two and a half hours—that's that's like watching you know football game every day, which is getting uh, closer and closer to possible with the NFL working its magic. Uh, but uh, so that that was the number. That that number hasn't really much changed. But it's uh, indications that people are not tiring of the game. Align Technology, uh, the orthodontic device maker, put up record revenue in the fourth quarter. The stock is hitting a new high today, and yet that's that's kind of what it's been doing for the past few years. This is a stock that's up more than forty percent over the past year. Uh, not necessarily a, a household name, but this is uh, this is a growing company, and uh, they they are they are delivering quarter after quarter. Yeah, the part that would maybe be known in most households is they they produce the Invisalign uh, sort of invisible uh, braces. Uh, so people are probably familiar with that. If they're not 
familiar with Align Technology by name, and it's a growing, a steadily and and fast growing um, thing that more and more people are adopting. Uh, they have had success for a long time um, in doing this, but it was more with adults uh, because there was a concern that with younger kids, they wouldn't replace this. Uh, you need to wear it 20 upwards of 22 hours a day or so, uh, basically all the time that you're not eating. And, and if you do that, then, then you get the results that you're looking for, and, and kids could perhaps not be relied upon to do that as consistently. And they've, they've had good success in convincing consumers that their kids will do that. And um, so it's it's growing at about 27% for the year and for the quarter. And that is the kind of growth that when you compound that over a few years gets you into big, big, big numbers. And the company is doing that. And, and the more it sells, uh, the better the margins get. So it's it's a very very good business, and I'm assuming they have competitors, but I'm unfamiliar with them just because that brand name is is known to me, and it's it's a uh, I don't know someone someone earned their paycheck when they came up with that brand name. Yeah, and the, I think they were they were the first, and it, people are are looking at it, but they've got patents, and so that that helps. But there are competitors, but they don't have the brand, and so when you think of invisible braces, you immediately think Invisalign. And they're there, and they're, they've done a better job of getting to the dentist to set up uh, their business there. Uh, you've got dentists pushing their product. Uh, you know, If you want Invisalign, I can put that in for you. So, uh, that's a good distribution model. Uh, and, and it was another great quarter. The stock's up about 6%, um, which is really returning it back to basically where it was at the start of the year. Sold off a little bit over the first month for no particular reason, and now is back to where it ended last year. Which, as you say, was it was up forty five percent last year on twenty five twenty you know twenty seven percent growth. It's hard to imagine. This seems like one of those businesses that it's not immune to any sort of outside disruption, but it certainly seems more immune than others. Just when you think about, as you said, the distribution model. Like I'm pretty sure that 25, 50 years from now, we're still going to have dentists. Yes. Now it's going to it. So it's a discretionary spend. This is the kind of thing that you can put off indefinitely. And so in 2008, uh, it it took a pretty big hit uh, as a, as a stock, and and you know as many things did, where there was the choice to delay purchase and as as that gave people an opportunity at the end of that year or during that year to um, get the shares at a very good price and it's rewarded them ever since but the next time there's a serious recession uh, you know it it's it is discretionary it's it's cosmetic for the most part um, um, device rather than a medically necessary one I'm sure they tell you that it's medically necessary but uh, the, the reason people buy it is for the cosmetic rewards the U.S. Department of Agriculture has come out with the latest uh, statistics on the nation's inventory of frozen pork belly. And the terrifying news, and I don't use that word lightly, the terrifying news is that America's bacon reserves have hit their lowest point in 50 years. Holy cow. What are we, like, what are we going to do here? I, 
I think that in in a certain sense you were using that lightly. <laughs> the thing is, you're not concerned. You're not concerned that you're going to go to the grocery store and fail, you know, to to buy bacon. Uh, I'm not. Are you? Because I could see where real terror would come in. I I just assume this is one of those things that all gets worked out behind the scenes, and maybe we pay a little bit more for our bacon. I'm well, look, sure we do. Look, any time fill-in-the-blank word reserves hit 50-year low, you have my attention. Oil reserves hit a 50-year low. Cotton reserve, like whatever, whatever we keep reserves of, if it's hitting a 50-year low, you have my attention, and I want to learn more about it. So, yeah, this 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 is pretty jarring. Now, as I indicated before we started taping, I I think. The business solution for this is you're right. Just charge more. We're we're not out on the prairie, you know, <laughs> with our three month reserves of bacon fat and coffee, and you know we don't know when the next delivery is going to be. That's true. We're not. <laughs> That's when you're concerned about the level of reserves. Okay, I may be overstating this a little bit, but I do think I said I feel like you've been off your game today <laughs> because uh, of your fear of this, like right from the beginning. As I said, it may have been it may have been because of the the show that we started taping and then had to cut and we, start over. Yeah, that that's, maybe that was part of it. That's lost for the ages. <laughs> um, no, I do think though that any business that sells bacon, whether it's McDonald's, whether it's like any food business, I'm just telling you right now, go ahead and charge more for bacon. Pass that along to consumers because they are absolutely going to pay for it. They shouldn't Where do you I mean, picture these reserves of bacon hanging out anyway. Um, that's a good question. Uh, let's see. It's rather disconcerting that there are reserves of bacon. It seems like the kind of thing we should be getting fresh all the time. Is to there, me, do you think there's a Fort Knox of bacon? I don't think that, but <laughs> it would be somewhat comforting, I guess, if there is. But uh, you want a, a system where it's, you, you know, last in, first out. You don't want that that. Um, Bacon reserve to be terribly old. I think this is a question for the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and I think we need to hit them up with this and find out like where where are the reserves. Is that one of those departments that still exists? Uh, so far, so far, yeah. For now, we may need it more than ever. What with the bacon reserves hitting a fifty-year low, um, Groundhog Day tomorrow for those uh, for those who get confused, for those who are still listening, for anyone still listening, and and. Three of you might be. Uh, so the groundhog comes out. If it's cloudy, the groundhog does not see the shadow early spring. If the groundhog sees his shadow, six more weeks of winter. And I, I think, overwhelmingly, when we think about the groundhog, we're thinking about one groundhog in particular, and that's Punxsutawney Phil in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, immortalized in the classic Bill Murray comedy, Groundhog Day. Number one ranked groundhog again this year. <laughs> yes, keeping you, his number one rating. You you pointed me to an article uh, from the Weather Channel on weather.com. I was surprised to learn that not only are there other groundhogs with actual locations and actual names, but the Weather Channel ranks them. So there's Chattanooga Chuck in Tennessee. There's there's one in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, and I, I don't know. I, I feel like the further south you get, the the less legitimate your groundhog is. You're somewhat outraged by southern groundhogs. Now that's an overstatement. I'm not outraged, but I do think that look, the closer you get to the equator, the the less relevant groundhogs become. So Punxsutawney Phil, 
I think their magical powers are more or less uh, equally strong at any point because it's this. It's, I'm not entirely sure that I understand. Like if if, if they come out and it's cloudy, mm-hmm. oh, cool. There's going to be an early spring. Yeah, that's that's th- somewhat counterintuitive. Look, that's just science. Okay? <laughs> um, you're you're a proud son of Pennsylvania, you, you, southeastern Pennsylvania, home of uh, Groundhog celebrations. Are you at all um, disconcerted? How do you view the other groundhogs? With disdain, or just sort of like, well, that's adorable that other states are trying to have their groundhog celebrations too. Worthy competitors, you know, <laughs> but probably the way you, you in Maine look at that lobsters. Oh, it's nice that other states they, believe that they can catch a lobster and serve it uh, appropriately. But really, we'll, we'll let them believe that. That's fine. But if you want a real lobster, but so if you go to the Wikipedia page on Groundhog Day and read about the history of groundhogs, as you probably should. Uh, you'll find that this is um, of a southeastern Pennsylvania origin, at least in this country, uh, taking roots from from Germany uh, initially. Uh, So I really think of that as being the locus and uh, groundhogs that are equidistant north or south of of Pennsylvania are, you know, equally imposters, (laughs) pretty much. They're sham mockeries. (laughs) So I... We're all, yeah, Punxsutawney Phil will get all, all of the national attention, I think. But there, there's a, you know, Wikipedia's got a lot of groundhogs uh, listed here, and and what they all predicted last year, and um, you know where they where they are, and there are a lot of them. I, I'm just my mindset is the same as it always is. I'm hoping for clouds and give me an early spring. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you can talk about this again tomorrow when the news is out, because it comes out early and well before you're recording. That's true. So, all the more reason news to attack tomorrow. It won't just be earnings news tomorrow. We'll have the uh, the Groundhog Day update. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.